excited to be with you this morning. Uh, so yeah, New Culture Church, we meet downtown Madison um, in Liquid on University. It's one of the biggest nightclubs down there. And I'll tell you a little bit more of the story of how we got there uh, this morning. But a few things that you should know about me before we get started. One, I am used to preaching at night. So if I say things like, here tonight, that's why. I will try to see that it is 11.18 a.m. and not... PM, but bear with me if I make those mistakes. Um, another thing is that I am new to Wisconsin, and so I've only lived here for three years. I grew up in northwest Indiana, not quite the middle of nowhere like Brent and Hannah, but um, I did grow up in Indiana. It was more closer to Illinois, Chicago side. Uh, so after that, I went to Bible college and moved here three years ago to help relaunch a campus ministry at UW-Madison and reach those college students. And so I've been doing that for the past three years and then through that planted the church. But I'm trying really hard to fit in with all you Wisconsinites or whatever you call yourselves now that I'm at the point where I'm calling Wisconsin home. Uh, but one thing, you guys, I am a Bears fan through and through. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just cannot do the whole cheese head thing. I can't wear food on my head. Like, who does that? That's weird, you guys. I can't do it. So I'm still, I'm still sticking to my roots there. Uh, but I am just so excited to be with you this beautiful morning. Uh, we're going to be reading out of Acts chapter 12. And so if you guys want to turn in your Bibles with me there, and we're going to read Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And we're going to stop there this morning. So a few things uh, before we kind of continue is, first is this, is that I love the word of God. I love that we serve a God that left us with such an incredible roadmap that is still alive, that is still active, that we can read the same passage over and over again, and that the Lord is going to speak to us in new and individual ways. And so I don't know where you're coming from today. We could be reading about a story that you've heard a million times, or this could be brand new for you. And now I'm not coming here uh, proclaiming to be an expert on this passage, an expert on, on this story, on this narrative. But what I do want to share with you is some things that I believe God has spoken to me that he wants each and every one of us to hear today. And so I'm just going to ask that you would bow your heads and pray with me as we just invite the Lord to come and speak. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the honor and the privilege that we have to come here in this place, gathered as your family, as your body of Christ, worship you and to hear from your word. And so God, I just ask that for these next few moments, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our ears. God, that you would help these words that I speak to not be anything of my own, but God, that you would individually speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit exactly what you want us to hear and that you would lead us to change because, God, we need to change and we need to grow closer to you. We need you to speak to us today, so we just invite you to come. In your precious name we pray, amen. 
All right, so what's great about this passage is that it kind of gives us a little bit of background without having to go super far into it. When you read uh, right in the first verse where it says, at about this time, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. And then Peter was one of them that he arrested, and Peter was put in prison for preaching the gospel and being a Christian and having faith in our Lord and Savior. And, and so it's pretty typical now we hear, right, that he's put in prison, he, he's persecuted, all these things are happening. But what we read here that's so powerful in verse 5 is it says, so when Peter was kept in prison, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. I want to ask you this morning, church, who are you earnestly praying for? To pray earnestly. I want to talk about this word earnestly. It means fervently, strenuously, intently. Right? So this isn't just some wimpy types of prayers. But they were praying earnestly on behalf of Peter and the persecution he was facing. When is the last time you've watched something on TV when you've heard about Christians being persecuted all over the world in our own country, sometimes in our city and in our backyard? When is the last time you saw that and you felt this sense of responsibility that didn't just lead you down them with your wimpy prayers of saying, Lord, would you just give them comfort as they're in prison? Lord, would you just surround them with your peace? Let them know you're there for them as they're being persecuted and beaten for their faith. But when is the last time that you felt that responsibility in such a way to pray for your leaders, to pray for, for our government, to pray for Christians all around the world facing trials and tribulations, that you earnestly, fervently, strenuously prayed for them? Because that's the first thing we see about the church right here and right now that is so different, is that they felt a sense of responsibility to Peter. But what I fear is that we've come to this spot where sometimes if things don't directly involve us, we don't feel that same sense of responsibility to pray in that earnest way. And so the first thing that I want us to take from this passage and to hear today that God wants to speak to us is that we need to learn to pray earnestly. Man, you have an incredible team of pastors and leaders here at this church. And can I tell you, they need your prayers. As they're in this season, right, of transition, and you guys are here now for a while before you'll be back in your building, like, they need you to be praying for them and to feel that sense of responsibility to say, yeah, this is my church, this is my family, this is the body of Christ, so I'm going to earnestly be praying for my church pastors and leaders. As I mentioned, uh, I'm a help pastor a college-age ministry, and so I love getting to work with college students. And um, one of the first girls that I met in our ministry She's been there from the beginning, and last year I went walked into her dorm room, and I looked up on her wall, and I saw all these hand-cut-out paper hearts, and they had names in them, and my name was on there, and our other pastors' names and leaders were on there, and I saw um, our president's name on there and all our other government officials and her friends and her family's names on there, and I said, what is that? She said, oh, that's my prayer wall. This is what I spend doing every single morning before anything else, is I individually lift up by name. She earnestly prays for people. She feels responsibility for her church leaders, for her political leaders. Church, do we feel that same sense of responsibility when things aren't directly affecting us? Do we still realize that we are a part of the body of Christ and that we are called to be earnestly praying for what God is doing and what is happening around us in our world? 
We're going to continue to read here Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 6. It says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries, stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I love this line in scripture so much because, man, there's sometimes in life where God's gonna do things and he's gonna move in such a way that it's gonna be so crazy that you're gonna take a step back and you'll be like, I feel like I'm seeing a vision. I feel like I'm dreaming. And this is one of those moments for Peter where God is moving in such a radical, powerful way, where his chains are falling off physically. He's being set free, and he feels like he's dreaming because it's just so good, and this is what life with Jesus can look like. Verse 10, it says, They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Verse 12 says, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. The first place that Peter goes is he goes to the praying people. Verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel because God couldn't have possibly answered our prayers. Verse 16 says, but Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Verse 19, it says, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards in order that they be executed. This is so, much, so many powerful things that are happening here in this passage. But what we see and what I want you to hear above anything else today is that your private prayers lead to public answers. That this public display of God's miraculous power of physically setting Peter free, the chains falling, was a direct result of the private prayers that was prayed by the church. Do you know today that your prayers are powerful? Do you know that when you pray earnestly in that type of way that God hears you and that it matters and that he is going to do the miraculous as a result of your private prayers? But here's the thing. God doesn't answer our prayers based on what we think we need, but on what we actually need. He doesn't answer our prayers based on what our minds can comprehend, based on what we think is going to be best for us. And so maybe you're in a spot and you're like, yeah, Abby, I get that praying is important and, and all of that stuff, but I just feel like sometimes I don't see God moving in my life in that way. He's not answering my prayers. Man, I, I would encourage you this morning to take a step back and say, God, what are the prayers that you've answered? But maybe your answer was better than what I was asking for. Because do you believe that we serve a God that he knows 
far beyond what we could ever comprehend what is going to be best for us and for his kingdom as a whole. And I wanted to share with you this morning about, oh man, it might have been about two years ago uh, when, when we started talking about this idea of what would it look like for us to plant a new church in Madison. Now, if you're smart, you would plant in somewhere like a high school or a middle school. Parking is a great thing, uh, which you don't have a lot of when you're in downtown Madison. And so naturally, we started looking at all these types of places for locations, saying, God, where would you have us be? Where would you have us go? As we were praying as a group and as a community getting ready to take on this adventure, one of the girls just felt, she's like, I really feel like the Lord just kind of gave me this picture of a red door. And I feel like we're just supposed to be in a building that has a red door. We're like, okay, okay. So again, naturally, what we think, uh, based on what we know and where church plants should be, we start looking at other churches because we knew we were going to meet in the evening. And so we start looking at other church buildings that have red doors, thinking like, okay, is it this one? Is it this? Door slam, door slam, door slam. We start looking at, uh, again, schools with red doors, thinking this is it, this is it, this is it. Well, finally, we had almost forgotten about this, this prayer and the way that God had shown this girl uh, this picture of a red door at this point. And we're desperate, and we're like, Lord, we don't know where we're supposed to meet. We're supposed to have our first Sunday in only a few weeks. Where are we going? What are we supposed to do? We started calling then uh, different music venues, and there was a new music venue that opened up inside of a nightclub, which was not where we had intended to plant a new church. And so sure enough, this is like really one of the only doors that was opening up for us. And we're like, well, we better meet here. We have nowhere else to go. And so we go and we start meeting here. And on our first Sunday, as we're loading in the alley, going down to the nightclub, we see that the alley door is a red door. Now, can I tell you that this is literally nothing what I thought it would be. And uh, you guys, when I brought my mom to church for the first time, she walked down the stairs. I brought her through the alley. I was like, Mom, you got to get the full experience here. You know, here I am like, oh, you're going to be so proud of your daughter. Like, come see the church plan. It's great, Mom. She walks down and sees the red door and all the lights, and she goes, this place is satanic. <laughs> that was her response. I was so excited. I was like, no, 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 Mom. Just wait till worship starts. Then the satanic stuff leaves. But, no, it is a little dark. It's a little dark, you know, but we sing, right? Like Jesus, right? The darkness trembles. It's fine. It's good. But uh, it is. We have to bring in a lot of Ikea lights. Shout out to Ikea for all the lighting they provide for the nightclub. Um, but all that to say, right, like there's so many times in our life where we start praying for something and we start asking God and we say, yeah, this is what, Lord, I need you to do in my life. And then what we do next is we start to tell him exactly what that needs to look like. And I encourage you today that when you start to pray earnestly, that you would take a step back and you would say, but God, I trust you. And God, I trust that, that it's not going to look like what I think it is, but that you know what's best for your kingdom and you know what I need. I'm going to read James 5, verses 13 through 16. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The next thing is to not just pray earnestly, but to pray effectively. And to pray effectively is to know the effectiveness of who we are praying to. 
To pray effectively is to know the effectiveness of who we're praying to. Let me explain that to you. When we start to know God, and James, he is someone that he walked with Jesus. He knew him personally. He knew him well. And so when he's saying to us, hey, are you sick? Pray to get healed. Hey, are you in need? Just go to him. Confess your sins. Pray, pray, pray. Any, all situations, all seasons, all time of day. Pray. He's saying that because he knew the effectiveness of the God he was praying to. You see, he knew that we serve a God and we pray to a God who is who he says he is and will do what he says he's going to do in our lives, in our church, and in our community. And something begins to shift, something begins to to change when we start praying in a way that's not only earnestly, but effectively. In a way that's saying, God, I'm just going to pray all the time in all situations. And because I know you, I'm going to trust that even when it doesn't look the way I think it should look, that I'm just still going to trust that you know what's best. But the first step to that is learning to know God in such a way that we can trust him because we've seen his effectiveness all throughout scripture. We've seen it in the power of testimonies of other people. And then we start to see it in our own life where we know that effectiveness isn't always God answering the prayers the way we want him to, but the way that we need him to. We're going to read the end of Acts 12 again in verse 13. Says Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door, but you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I want to take the rest of this time to talk about Rhoda here. She's probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and this is why. You see, Rhoda, she was a maidservant. So she was just someone that was there to help serve, take care of people, and so she was a part of the the church that was praying. However, she had a job to do because she was a young girl. So when everybody is praying and there's a knock at the door, all the people of power and authority of influence, they stayed and they kept on praying. But Rhoda, because she was the maidservant, she went and she had to go and get the door. So she had no power. She had no influence. She had no authority. She really wasn't a person of significance, according to her community. But this, this girl, this young maidservant is who God chooses to use to open the door to the miracle that they had been praying for. This girl who had no power, who had no authority, who had no influence, this is who God chooses to use. And I believe that this is still who God wants to use. And so I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know your title. I don't know what kind of power you have in this room. But guess what? That doesn't matter to God because he wants to use each and every one of us. And what we need to realize is that the difference between Rhoda and everybody else is Rhoda. I just want to picture you to picture for a second what she went through, right? So she's praying with people, and then she hears a knock at the door, and she recognizes Peter's voice. What does this show us about her? It shows us that she was a part of the group that was praying earnestly, but something, something was different about her. She was probably praying a lot more effectively because it sounds like she was a little bit more in tune of where God was going with this, of being like, guys, he's here. And so she's filled with joy because she's like, he, he answered our prayers. Our miracle is knocking at the door. And she goes back to the church, the people that are going to be excited for her. And they look at her and they say, you're crazy. 
And they continue to just keep praying in circles and circles and circles. See, the miracles in our lives are not always going to look the way that we think that they should. But what I don't want is for us as a church to become the people that just pray in circles over and over again, the type of people that just ask, keep asking God for the same thing over and over again. When God's probably sitting up there, he's like, hey, I answered that prayer like two weeks ago. Will you just keep up with me here? But I feel like more times than not, that's where I fall. Where I, where I see these things, I'm like, yes, God, yes, I want this. And then I tell him, now this is what it has to look like for me to really check it off as a miracle. And then when it doesn't happen the way that I want it to, I just get stuck in these cycles where I'm praying for the same thing over. And how annoying do you think we are to God when we do that? And he's like, let's go. Like, I want to do a new thing in you, and you're still stuck back here because you haven't truly believed that I am who I say I am, and I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And so the difference with Rhoda is that she was praying expectantly. See, she wasn't just praying, saying, oh, Lord, yeah, will you move? Will you move? Will you move? All right, time for dinner. Let's go. Let's do it again tomorrow. No, she was praying, and she's like, I believe God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And then when she heard that knock, she knew God has answered our prayer. Our miracle is at the door. When it comes to praying expectantly, what I want you to hear is this. Don't wait to be understand to be obedient. Do not wait to understand to be obedient. In the end of verse 19, it says that when they realized that Peter was missing, what did they do? They conducted a search. They went out, and he sent, Herod sent the guards out. He's like, you need to find him. Our prisoner is missing. Where did he go? Let's go get him. I want you to think for a second, what would have happened if Rhoda never opened the door to Peter? You can fill in the gaps. You see, Peter is someone that he goes on to do ministry for years to come. You could be in church for only a few weeks, and you've probably heard Peter's name. Peter is someone that we would say had great power, had great authority, had incredible influence. But my guess is that if you've heard of Rhoda, it's probably only once or twice. See, Peter has several different places all throughout Scripture that his name is mentioned. And Rhoda, man, outside of these verses, it's far and few in between that you're going to hear anything about her. What would have happened if this little girl would have waited to be obedient? Well, that could have been the last time that we ever heard Peter's name. It could have ended in him, Herod, and his guards finding him and his life being over. And we wouldn't know the Peter that we know today and that has influenced all of us and our church as we know it. So if you're sitting here today and you're questioning, man, do I have influence? Do I have value? I want to say to you, do not wait to be obedient. And don't wait until you understand. Don't try and figure it all out. Do not wait to be obedient. You need to take action. You need to pray earnestly, effectively, and expectantly, knowing that God hears your prayers and he wants to answer them. But we cannot wait to understand to be obedient. We don't have time for that. And to know that the value of your influence is not based on the credit you receive for it. Rhoda never really received the credit for what she did. And you may never receive the credit for what you did. 
man, being a part of a church plant, I know all the work that goes into not being in an on-site location. So I know, right, there's people that have been here probably super early in the morning and that are going to stay later than most of us here today. And it can feel like, hey, is this really significant in what I'm doing of unlocking doors and setting up tables and maybe sweeping floors? Is this significant? But every act of obedience, every act of service, it matters to God. And there is power when we begin to communicate with him, when we begin to pray, and when we begin to step out in obedience, expecting him to come and to move. You see, Rhoda had a choice. When she heard that knock and she heard Peter's voice at the door, she could have easily come back, and when they said it couldn't be him, it must be a ghost. She could have easily come back and said, yeah, you're probably right. I'm crazy. I couldn't possibly. Who, who am I to actually hear from God? But instead, what she showed them and what she's showing us and teaching us today is that she knew that God's voice was the final voice in her life and that obedience trumped everything else. It trumped what other people thought of her. Right? They're telling her she's crazy and she still walked in obedience. And that is a hard thing to do, but that's where our faith is truly tested. So we need to pray earnestly, effectively, expectantly. And finally, Brent, if you want to come up, we need to be the type of church that opens the door. What miracles have been knocking at your door that you have not opened because you are so caught up in just praying in circles for the same thing every day over and over again when God is knocking and he's saying, hey, will you just open the door? Will you just open the door? Because you see, with Rhoda, she wasn't just opening the door for a miracle for herself. She was opening the door for a miracle for her community, for the church there, and, and even for us today, that we have been able to read and to know Peter's story, that he was able to go and to preach the gospel to so many people in so many different places. You see, this mattered, this small, simple act of obedience, it mattered. But our first step in getting there is learning how to pray earnestly. It's learning to not look at things that don't personally and directly affect us and just write it off. But to say, no, I have a voice. My prayers, they matter. God hears me just like James says. Everything that happens, Lord, I'm gonna earnestly pray. And when I'm doing that, I'm gonna pray effectively. God, even if it doesn't come the way that I think it's gonna come, I'm gonna trust you because I've seen how you've worked in the past. I've seen how you've worked in my life. And so Lord, I trust you when I pray and I'm gonna pray expecting you to do what you said you were gonna do. Pray expecting that you are who you say you are. God, I believe it. And when we start to pray like that, Man, get ready to open those doors because the miracles, they're going to come and they're going to come and they're going to come. And man, I'm praying that for your church as you're in this season of building and transition. Man, that each and every one of you would feel the responsibility for your church and for your community, even if it's uncomfortable sometimes, that you would pray earnestly, strenuously. Man, that you would be willing to open that door no matter what it looks like and to know that you have value, you have influence. And what God is asking from you today is say, hey, even when you don't understand, will you say yes? Will you be obedient?
Will you pray? And will you be ready to open the door to the miracle? For you, for your community, for this city, for, for this entire nation, will you be ready to welcome in those miracles? Because private prayers lead to public answers, and your prayers, they matter. And they are going to lead to some miraculous thing. The question is, are we ready to open the door to the miracle that God has? So would you do this? Would you just close your eyes all across this place? I want us to just take a minute and to just ask the Lord to come and to just show us which of these areas that we talked about do we need to grow in? And so I'm just going to ask that you would just pray this in your own way and that you would truly with all of your heart just ask the Lord to speak to you and show you because I believe that once we start becoming obedient to this that man we are going to see God move and so with your eyes closed would you just say Lord if I haven't been praying earnestly would you just come and would you show me right now Lord if I've been in a spot where where I haven't been taking responsibility for the things going around in our community, in our country, in our world, in our churches. God, would you just show me and would you just speak to me right now and tell me that I need to pray more earnestly? Lord, if I'm in a spot and I haven't praying, have not been praying effectively, would you come right now and would you show me? God, would you show me the ways that I need to learn more about your effectiveness and who you are? Show me more of the ways that, that, that I just need to spend time with you and trust that even when I don't understand, your plans are better. Lord, if, if there's any way that I've been praying earnestly and effectively, but but still doubting and, and not really expecting you to move, Lord, would you first forgive us all? for the ways that we doubt who you are, the ways that we doubt your word. God, would you come and would you forgive us? And would you show us the ways that we need to pray more expectantly? And finally, God, all across this place, Lord, would you just come right now and would you show us what doors we need to open? So Lord, right now, I just pray for every single person in this room, in this school today. God, I ask that you would help us to do all of this and more, Lord, that we would become the type of people, that this heartland would be the type of church that prays earnestly for their leaders, for their community, for their neighbors, for their families. God, that they would pray effectively all times, all ways, all seasons expecting you to move because they know who you are. They know the God they're praying to and they believe that there is a miracle coming. And so God, lastly, I just pray that every single person here, that right here, maybe even in this moment, you would begin to show them the door that they need to open. God, maybe it's something somewhere you've been knocking for a long time. God, would you show them that it matters and that they need to go and to act in obedience, not wait to understand and open the door to the miracle that you have for them. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so faithful. And we just thank you today for your word and the way that you are continuing to speak to us. So we ask this all in your precious, your holy, your powerful name. Amen.